Welcome to this bonus episode of our Fort Bragg PWOC podcast. This is our first session of our virtual spring retreat. Our theme this year is Bloom in the Wilderness. Alexis Anderson is our guest speaker. In this session, she will cover the word return. Join us and be blessed by God's truth. Thank you so much for these women. Thank you for their hearts. Thank you for everything that you have done this entire year to get us right here in this spot, in this position. I thank you. Thank you for those who are here live with us. And I thank you for those who are listening after. And the just amazing opportunity that we have with this technology to still be able to put this retreat on. I thank you for the blessing and the just all the behind the scenes that have taken place to come here and to be with these women, continue to work in their hearts and their lives, open them up, open their ears and their eyes to just know who you are, how you see them, how you love them, how you cover them, and who you have created and called them to be. I thank you so much for them. Thank you for just helping us to understand more of how we can bloom in the desert in the hard places. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so yeah, why bloom in the desert? <laughs> when I took this position, um, it was like, and Kelly, um, our president could attest to this. I said, hey, Kelly, I'm 51% sure I'm supposed to be our retreat coordinator. And she just laughed at me. And I said, give me 74, 72 hours so I can go just really sit some solid time with, with God on it. And he actually gave me Isaiah 35, and it was awesome. Just seeing, and Alexis, um, our main speaker, our keynote speaker, is going to dive deeper into it of how we can really apply um, these scripture into our lives. But it was really neat because I was like, bloom in the desert. Well, it makes sense for me because my husband's deployed, but like... <laughs> how is this going to make sense? And then here at Fort Bragg, we had 82nd do the rapid deployment. So then we had nobody here, it felt like, and just craziness happening. And then now we are in a different type of desert with everyone being stuck at home because of a virus that's worldwide. <laughs> um, and so I've just really seen God take this entire theme and just show how he moves in the hard times, how he moves in the dry times, but that's the point and that's the purpose is there's fruit that comes from the hard times. And so I'm so excited um, to be able to share this. And so first, before Alexis comes on, Shelby is our amazing worship leader here at uh, Fort Bragg PWC, and so she is going to lead us in some worship. So go for it, girl. Okay. Hey, everyone. I wish so much that we could unmute everyone and have everyone sing together. I think that would be amazing. We did attempt something like that earlier this week on a test call, and it wasn't super successful. So we're going to skip that. But um, I just want you to know how excited I am to be able to be here to do this 
kind of weird thing and during a weird time. Um, it's just amazing how God works. And I would invite you to join in with worship. You can sit, you can stand, you can frolic around your room. You can join, your families can join in. You guys do whatever you want. We are here to worship the Lord and we are able to access heaven with our worship, okay? So let's open up the heavens and worship right now.
souls. Thank you for this time of worship together. Oh, how I pray that it has blessed your heart, Lord Jesus. May you be high and lifted up tonight and tomorrow as we gather and as we worship and as we get to know you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, ladies, for worshiping with me. And now I have the distinct honor of introducing our speaker for the weekend. I met this very special woman six years ago when we were stationed at JBLM. I met her in Miss Sharon Bridwell's mentorship class in 2014. She was so extremely quiet, rarely spoke, and when she did muster the courage to share in class, nine times out of 10, it would be accompanied with tears. I will never forget my shock when the leadership selection team announced her name as the new VP Spiritual Life less than two years later. And then 
When she shared her first devotion, I knew God had something very special in store for her and for us. She can somehow take God's word mix it with science and obscure concepts and present it in a clear and exciting way that leaves you totally in awe of God. So coming to us from Fort Knox, Kentucky, may I present the one and only Alexis Anderson. Woo! Hello, greetings. Um, Shelby, thank you. That was that was quite the intro, and I appreciate it very much. Let me get my screen squared away here now. Um, my heart is so full of gratitude uh, to be with you, sisters, wherever you are this evening, um, to share my passion of Jesus with you. And PwC has such a giant piece of my heart and of my story. So thank you to Trisha and the Fort Bragg PwC for inviting me into your mission and your ministry. I'm so grateful to be here. Um, welcome to my dining room. I want to introduce to you my ministry partner. Come back in. This is Amanda Pinkstaff. We, um, you're not seeing double. We are, in fact, wearing the same shirt, PwC shirt. It says I'm grounded on it, so you're going to be assigned bonus points. If you know what verse that's from, this is from our first board that we served on. No, second board that we served on together. Um, we have been on a shared PwC journey for about six, six years now. Yeah, we have served together um, on multiple boards and we continue to serve together um, in leadership positions. And um, we find that God kind of forced that on us because he kept moving us. This is our fourth duty station in a row together. We have moved within 30 days of one another for each of those. And our husbands do not have the same MOSs at all. So God continues to move us together. And so he kind of forced our hand. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and then we figured out that we um, were very complimentary in our gifts and in just about everything. Like she's very extroverted and I'm very introverted. And um, she's got legs for days, and I have to hem ankle-length pants for myself. And um, yeah, we have a shared passion for biblical literacy has been a big buzzword for us. Um, sharing the word with others as we learn it. We, I always say I like to bring the fresh bread and not the canned biscuits. Um, and we uh, identify and develop and train leaders in our own PwC. So we do the sandwich approach, like Amanda comes in, she's like the front row driver and I'm like the backseat heckler and we, all of a sudden people find themselves serving the Lord and they didn't know they were going to be doing that. You're welcome. <laughs> so we have been on a shared wilderness journey for a long time and um, I, I, I'm the teacher and she's the reacher and it works well for us. So yeah, what else? do they need to know about me? I did. I did have something. What is your preferred version of the Bible that you're going to be bringing the lesson oh, yeah. tonight? That's, that's a good question, Amanda. I teach from the ESV. Um, I love a version of the Bible 
that is word for word because I tend to dig into the original languages a lot, which you'll learn tonight about me. I tend to dig into the original language a lot. So um, ESV very closely has a word for every single Hebrew word or Greek word you see, there's usually an English word that follows that you can match up to that. If you were to like to read a verse in the Bible and you're like, I don't know what that verse, what that word means, like what does redemption mean? You could go and find the original Hebrew word or the original Greek word and tap into that. And I know NASB is very word for word as well. Um, not that we don't study the other ones because we've, we've been studying Bible together for a long time and We've done NLT, we're doing NIV right now, um, but for purposes of word study, ESV. So that's what I'm gonna be teaching out of tonight, um, which I'm very excited about, that Trisha, when she first, when we first talked and she brought me to the Old Testament, I was really excited because it's not very often that I get asked to teach from the Old Testament. It's usually something New Testament. So to get a chance to dig into the Old Testament is very, very exciting for me. Um, and because Isaiah 40, um, excuse me, Isaiah 35 is one bookend to my, um, life verse, which is in Isaiah 43. So I'm going to, we're going to start in Isaiah 35 and I'm going to commission you with my life verse from Isaiah 43 at the end of our time together. Um, so I was really excited. It just seemed like the Lord was working something out there. Um, and we have a very timely tagline for this, um, retreat, Bloom in the Desert, and I have um, taglined my talk to be living with a new perspective of wilderness. And isn't this a time of wilderness for us right now? Um, new things, new things happening all around us. Life is changing, and um, it does seem very much like wilderness to us. So I was very nervous about doing this in this format, but I now think it could be the greatest format ever for an introvert to teach from um, because I'm an introvert and I don't have to wear real pants and I don't have to talk to anyone for into the night afterward, um, but I get to have a worldwide meeting with my sisters. So this is very, very exciting for me. Um, so let me, I'm gonna share my screen with you all and move you through a PowerPoint. You may have had a chance to download um, the participant packet, which has a discussion guide for each session in it. And then at the end, there's also like an optional note-taking page. So if you wanted to print one of those out for yourself to have for each session, you could, you don't have to, but it's there, it's an option. So let me get my screen shared here. Maybe. Okay, do you all see my screen? Awesome, excellent. Okay. And I lost you. There we go. Still here, but I've only seen Shelby. There we go. Not that I don't want to just see Shelby, but. Okay, so Bloom in the Desert. We're going to start tonight with um, a session called Return. And then we're, tomorrow morning, we're going to pick back up with a session called Recover. 
And our third session will be titled Rejoice. And our fourth session will be Remember. I love a good alliteration. In this session, and in each session, um, we're gonna have worship by the lovely Shelby. And then Amanda and I are gonna give some sort of an introduction or a recap to what we've previously talked about. And if there's any been any glaring questions or um, comments in the chat room, like if you have any questions, Amanda and Trisha are gonna be monitoring those throughout the session. And um, you can ask those and we may respond to those either when we come back together at the end of small groups or we might hit on them at the beginning of the next session. So we'll have worship, some sort of an introduction and a response session. And then I'm gonna read scripture with you. We'll read the word of the Lord. I'm gonna teach. And, that, and that's gonna be on Amanda. She is the official reacher. And I feel really sad that you all can't be, um, that we can't be with each other in person because then you don't get to experience the reaching as much with Amanda because she is, you would find yourself saying things and revealing things that you didn't think you were gonna say or do in her presence. And yet, you, you all should feel very safe right now. But I don't know, we've not used this format before. Maybe you're unsafe, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so Amanda, is there anything else they need to know about small groups and the format? No, just make sure that you download your participant packet. Um, try to get to that now so you can have it and um, be able to take notes on the side. Have something to take notes with um, if you are that kind of person. But I encourage you, honestly, just to sit back and just soak it in. Just take it in. Yeah, it. the beauty of the format is that you can watch it again. You're going to be able to watch it again, which is so amazing yeah. um, because normally, I'm a very visual learner, so I like to have lots of slides up, and then everyone feels like they need to take all the notes. And so they're like, ha, ha, ha. My friend Christy, she's like, wait, wait, Alexis. So she's writing frantically, and, but here's the thing. You don't have to take all the notes. You can just absorb. You can write down what you want to write down. And if you're not a note taker, if you've never taken notes before, don't start today. Like, you know you didn't take notes in calculus class, so don't start now, friend. It's going to stress you out. Um, Let's see, what else? Oh, um, I am willing to email all my slides to you. So if you want me to do that, you can feel free to send any questions, comments, or requests to me at Alexis in the wilderness, A-L-E-X-I-S, in the wilderness at gmail.com. And Amanda has access to that um, address as well. So at any point in the future, if you have any questions, comments, or you want me to send you the slides, I'd be happy to do that. My email will be um, posted up on a slide here a little later on. So my personal goals for you this evening are to wash in the word. Um, for some of you, it might feel like a fire hose, but that's not, that's not my intention. Um, I usually have more of an opportunity to touch you and to uh, ease you into what's about to happen to you. But the leadership at Fort Bragg knows my style and they think it's what you need. So um, I'm going full out, full out for you all, full out nerd. Um, my other goal would be to engage you in the word. I really want you to be astounded by the unity of scripture and the accessibility you have to it. Um, I want to help position you to hear the word of the Lord as an original audience member would have heard it and as the author has intended you to read 
Um, I want to develop a love for words in you. Words have meanings. Sometimes our English words don't do justice to the original language, and we need to acknowledge that. Um, and in the end, what I really hope is that you might embark on your own wilderness journey. I accepted Jesus as my savior at the age of three or four, but I didn't accept him as my Lord until I was in my mid-30s. Think about that. Think about if you know the difference about what I'm saying. I accepted him as my savior when I was three or four, but I didn't accept him as my Lord until I was in my mid-30s. The Lord used PwC to do that. At the age um, of 34, when I was researching and preparing to lead my very first PwC class, I learned that when Paul was 34, Jesus became his savior. And Paul didn't go immediately into the synagogues to start teaching, but Galatians tells us that he went into the wilderness for three years to be taught by the risen Jesus. So I chose to go on a wilderness journey when I was 34. Um, I didn't go anywhere buggy, but I decided to be led by him and be teachable. And this girl wanted to come with me. So we thought that meant we would know what we wanted to be when we grew up by the age of 37, because Paul was there till he was 37. But here we are, just taking it a day at a time, still in the wilderness. So here's where we're headed this session. We're going to return to the word. We're gonna rewire our brains a bit before we get into the message. We want to hold ourselves to the highest standard of truth. I want to hold you to the highest standard of truth. Woo, nope, wrong screen. Sorry about that, don't get dizzy. Um, we're gonna return to the wilderness and we're gonna look at what wilderness living really means. And then we're gonna look at God's no return policy and I'm gonna send you off with the best news, really good news. So return, the word return, that word in and of itself implies a cycle um, that you've started somewhere and you've ended right back up where you started. The word return doesn't care where you went, where you wandered or how far off course you got. It just calls you back. Return is a word that calls you back. So you need to know that I hold scripture to the highest, I hold scripture as the highest standard of truth. I believe that we need to return to it again and again to train our brains and our hearts. If you don't believe that and you're here, welcome. That's amazing. I want you to take the scientific approach of saying to yourself, assuming the Bible is true, then I will evaluate the truth of everything else said today based on that assumption. So, return to the word. Romans 12, two charges us this way. It says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I want you to notice in blue, the words that indicate a cycle or a return. Transform, renewal, testing. When we do test, we test if that's true, and we go back and start again. We test again. And then perfect. Perfect indicates a whole. And then I want you to notice the word that indicates falling into line, conform. So transformed, conformed. 
keep this in mind because you and I, we were trained and raised in a very Greek system of thought where A goes to B. Uh, if X is this, then Y is this. Our society and our government and our school systems, we are all very Greek. But in Hebrew and in Hebrew thinking, it's very cyclic. A goes to A. So if you're walking, the word walk in the Bible, peripateo, means to walk about, to go in a circle. So while um, Greek is very linear and sequential, Hebrew is very cyclic and it's symphonic. So as you're studying, the authors of the Bible seem to kind of circle around and circle around. They're saying the same things over and over. They're saying it in different ways. It's not because they don't know what they're talking about. It's because it was a literary device that they used. So you need to be aware of how that impacts your thought processes on a daily, if not momentary basis. You need to be aware that you are a trained linear thinker, but the Bible is calling us to this cycle. So here is the pattern of this world. Feeling, acting, and thinking. The end. So I want to feel some particular way, or I don't want to feel at all, or I'm not feeling anything, or I'm not feeling something, or maybe it just doesn't feel right. And then I act on that feeling, or I act to achieve or deaden that feeling. And then I adjust my thinking in order to permit or justify my behavior. And then I do it again with my next feeling. And you know what? I am left feeling empty and unanchored. The problem with this conform thinking is that one month, one week, one hour down the line from now, or from an emotionally intense experience, you don't feel that way anymore. And you might convince yourself that either something is wrong with you or that you need to fix yourself with something that's counterfeit or somehow you need to get yourself back to that mountaintop where you felt amazing. And the problem with starting over here is that your heart is a liar. Jeremiah 17, nine, your heart is deceitful above all else. So this linear thought pattern is destructive. I can establish a new truth for myself every time I have a new feeling because I start with my feeling and I end with what my new truth is. It's, this is the birthplace of addictive and abusive behaviors. So this, I submit to you, is what a renewed mind does. We start at right thinking, we go to right acting, and then right feeling, and then we return or repeat. This is a cyclic and constructive thought pattern. Right and fulfilling feelings do come, but they come last. After, ah, sorry. Whew. They come after right thinking, after the right and obedient response to right knowledge. Then we feel right. I'm not saying we can't invent new ways to jack that up. We can. We can really jack this up. But um, this solves the problem we had before because now, no matter what you feel, the same thing that was true two months ago at the retreat when you felt awesome or two weeks ago when you had that mountaintop experience and you were able to go out and do what you wanted to do and you didn't have to stay home, or two hours ago when all of your boxes were checked, that same thing that was true then is still the truth now. 
in this cycle. It doesn't change. And you can make good choices and you can take right actions knowing, knowing that right feelings are coming. So why am I telling you this? I always want to start out a retreat with this information. Ladies, friends, almost every product, every motivational speaker, every book, every Christ, even Christian ones are meant to appeal to you emotionally. I literally have nothing to sell you. I wish I did, but I have nothing to sell you. I'm telling you all this because I want to foster an environment this weekend for the Holy Spirit to change your mind, not to give you good feelings. Let's not define the success or value of anything, including ourselves or this time together based on how we feel about it. Let's define success based on the acquisition of knowledge and of the unchangeable truth of our God. And you should, as a good student, be asking me to prove to you that this is scriptural, and I will. But that's gonna come in the fourth session. So finally, let's get into the wilderness together. Let's return to the wilderness. Okay, a lot going on in the slide, do not fear. I don't know how much experience you have with the Bible. I don't wanna make any assumptions. Um, so I'm gonna give you a lot of background context before we get into Isaiah 35. I use this diagram in almost every class that I teach, every workshop that I give, um, so it has a lot on it. But I'm just gonna to touch on a couple things here. In case you didn't know, the entire Bible is about God trying to get us back to Eden back to his cosmic garden, back to his promised land. Not that Eden was outside of his will or control. What happened there was all part of the plan because Lamentations 2.6 tells us that he has laid waste his dwelling, his booth, his tabernacle, his temple. He has laid waste his booth like a garden, laid in ruins, his meeting place. So the Bible you'll find is chock full of desert and garden imagery. Dry to drenched, dead sea to living water, dead to alive, scattered seed to gathered seed. Um, another way we could look at it is captivity and freedom. If you look back at the sweeping narrative of the Bible um, and God's people, you're gonna see this interesting cycle of captivity and freedom. In the Old Testament, it happens on a very large scale. Um, God brought the Israelites in and out of captivity multiple times for their rebellion. Think about Egypt, Babylon, Assyria, eventually Rome. In the New Testament, Paul applies this to us on a much smaller scale. It's not an empire or a regime or government that holds you in captivity. It's sin and flesh. Paul used slave language repeatedly to teach us about Christ's purchase. Yet another way we can look at it is exile and wilderness. Now, because of our preconceived notions and bias for the word wilderness, word wilderness, we often think of it as being this terrible and buggy place that God forces you to wander around in. That's what we, that's what we remember from the childhood stories, right? They were forced to wander in the wilderness. So we assume that wilderness is bad, but no, it was the wandering that was the result of the rebellion, not being in the wilderness. 
I submit to you that wilderness is the in-between place. It's be what's between captivity and the promised land. In the book of Numbers, um, which by the way is actually titled In the Wilderness in Hebrew, um, you see God take his people out of Egypt and into the wilderness on purpose. And you know what he labels his people over and over in the book of Numbers? He labels them as able to go to war. Now, these fools had just spent 400 years in captivity. They were not soldiers. They had zero training. But they were able because they were obedient. And God was going to fight their battles for them. It was only because of their rebellion and sin that they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Wandering was not the ideal. The wilderness was merely a way for them to get from here to there. A journey that should have only taken like, what, 11 days or something like that? but instead 40 years. So often, when we hear wilderness, what we actually think in our minds is exile. We actually think we're waiting in exile. We're wandering around in some sort of existential purgatory, cast off until God decides to return. But no, no, God has set you apart. You are not separated from him, you are separated to him. You are set apart for him. That is the very definition of holiness. If you are a follower of Christ, you are in the in-between place. Between captivity and the final promised land, which necessarily means, listen to this, if you are in that in-between place, then you too are able to go to war. Sister friend, you are able to go to war. So what else happens in the wilderness? Well, if we go through the Bible, it's the place where King David runs for cover when his enemies attack. Um, it's where John the, John the Baptist was the voice that cried out to people to prepare the way for the Lord. It's where Jesus chooses to go before embarking on his public ministry. And if Jesus did it, we should too. And it's where Paul goes after his conversion to be taught for three years before his public ministry. The wilderness is a place where you're covered. It's a place of waiting. It's a place of preparation, of teaching, of readiness for war. It's a place you must choose to be. You are on a wilderness journey. Stay in the wilderness, sister. Choose wilderness. So let's see what God has in store for us in the wilderness in Isaiah 35. Um, so for this reading, I've got in yellow promises and in blue commands, and I've underlined the shall words because shall indicate some sort of a promise that's happening. So I just want you to be able to visualize all the promises being made in Isaiah 35. This chapter is... Awesome, full of promises. Isaiah 35, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon, 
they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not, behold, your God will come with a vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunted jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes and a highway shall be there and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sign shall flee away. The word of the Lord. So, did you notice all the shalls in there? There's a lot of shalls happening. Isaiah, is prim Isaiah 35 is primarily a book of promises. And I want you to notice something very important. Those promises were not conditional. Sometimes we'll get an if you do this, then this statement, but nothing in this chapter is conditional. It's going to happen. This is the way it's going to happen. So here's the really good news for you. Back from verse 8, even the fools are going to make it. Hey, this is good news. So commands, let's pull. I want to focus on the commands for this um, next couple minutes because this really sets up a goal for this, for this weekend for us. We really want to be able to do these things for ourselves and for others who are walking on the way with us. So we've got six commands here. What do we need to do with these six commands? Strengthen, make firm. We need to say something, be strong, fear not, behold. And what are we doing with the weak hand? Why, why weak hands? What's that about? So all throughout the Bible, weak hands, they're no good. But strong hands are great for worship and they're great for working. And then feeble knees, we see those appear several times too, but strong knees are good for prayer, good old camel knees, and walking. So we need to do some walking on this way that we just read about. We need to speak encouragement to anxious hearts so they can be whole. And I want to explore those a little bit because this isn't the first time any of those commands appear in the Bible. They're used quite a bit. Isaiah and all the other biblical authors um, like to use and borrow phrases from each other. And when they do that, that's called illusion. And what it's meant to do is to take, their list, take the listeners or the readers back to some specific point. It's meant to help them call things to mind. 
And so we need to know what to call the mind when we read these things, because he's not, Isaiah is not just writing words. Every word is important. So strengthen weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. This appears several times in the Bible. Um, in Numbers 13, 18, Moses is sending spies into Canaan. You know the story. They're going to scope out the promised land. And he says to them, see if the people there are strong or weak and be of good courage. And those words strong and weak parallel exactly with these two strong and weaks here. And he commands them to return with fruit, really big fruit. And we know if we've been reading to our children, oh, the Bible's little Bible stories, we know that they do not give a good report. They say that their enemies are too strong. And then the people end up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. So Isaiah is calling to mind that experience here. He, he's sending the listeners back to that. And he, he's saying, remember where we're going. We are going into the promised land. So we're meant to think about that. Remember, we're not wandering. Remember that now we need to be the ones who are strong. And we need to assess whether we need to be strengthened or firmed up. Where do, we, where do we need to be strengthened? Where do we need to be firmed? Do a self-assessment here. We're on the way to the promised land. Remember where you're going. And then we need to carry the fruit, that exceptionally large fruit, to those with anxious hearts and weak hands and, and infirm knees. In Job 4, one of Job's wise friends um, is giving another monotonous monologue to Job. And he says to him, behold, you have instructed many and you have strengthened the weak hands and your words have upheld him who was stumbling and you have made firm the feeble knees. Isaiah directly quotes that. And so he's definitely sending us back to Job to think about that. What he's letting us know is that our words have power. Job's words had power. He used words to strengthen and to make firm and to keep people from stumbling. So it is no surprise here that Isaiah has told us that we need to say something. We have been given the authority, my friends, and wisdom and a spirit to make the way known and easier for the people around us, to speak life with our words. We need to assess our speech. Um, just quickly looking at the Hebrews 12, seven through 15, the author of Hebrews refers back to this passage in verse 12. He says, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. And so the author of Hebrews is sending people back to this passage here. And it's that passage of Hebrews is all about developing spiritual discipline, how we need to make straight paths for others so that the lame may be healed or strive for peace with everyone or see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. The author of Hebrews has assigned even greater responsibility to us in Isaiah's words here. Are you making straight paths for people? Are you striving for peace? Are you seeing to it that no one fails to obtain God's grace? Be strong, fear not. We see that in multiple places. Whenever we've seen this phrase in the Bible, be strong, Fear not. It's always when God is going about to give a reason why we don't need to be fearful. So what are we meant to think about? What places in the Bible are we meant to think about when Isaiah says, be strong and fear not? 
Well, it always happens to be said when a kingdom leadership change is about to take place. In First Chronicles, it's when David is charging his son Solomon. As he hands over the kingdom, he says that if the Lord grants Solomon discretion and understanding, then Solomon will keep the law and prosper. So Isaiah is calling us to wisdom and to understanding, to right thinking. Joshua himself, um, after Moses, the transition of power, the Lord himself is charging Joshua as he takes over the kingdom from Moses. He says that the reason that Joshua doesn't need to be afraid is because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So that's all loaded into this verse here, these, these moments in history. The same with Second Chronicles when Hezekiah comes onto the scene and he's charging his kingdom to not be afraid of the Assyrians who are coming in. And he says the reason they don't need to be afraid and can be strong is because the Lord our God is there to help us and to fight our battles, able to go to war. If God is saying this phrase to us here in Isaiah 35, then he's telling us about our leadership in the kingdom. Be strong, fear not. The kingdom is changing. Jesus is about to usher in a new kingdom and we're part of that. Behold, a wonderful word. It means, hey, look at this. This is really surprising. This thing right here, behold, check it out. Look and be surprised. And here we see it's asking you to behold that our God will come. Our God will come and he's going to save us. He will come and save you. And if you recall in John 1 29, where John the Baptist shouts, behold, the lamb of God, the one who's come to take away the sins of the world. So that is echoing back here to Isaiah 35, four, where it says, behold, your God will come. And John the Baptist says, oh, there he is. God has come, behold. And then the anxious heart. The way that behold and anxious are set up here, the way they're presented here teaches us that anxiety keeps us from beholding. Anxiety is a barrier to beholding, to truly seeing. And doesn't that sound like a tool of the enemy? If you don't struggle with anxiety, you have friends who do. So what is the solution? Proverbs 12, 25 tells us that anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. So I have a few really good words for you. Ooh, not that fast. I have a few really good words for you. And tomorrow I'm going to have lots of good words that I'm going to guarantee you. I'm going to guarantee you tomorrow, joy, peace, grace, mercy, hope among, among few, among many of them, excuse me. And I've got really, really good words to guarantee to you. So I can say to you who have anxious hearts to be strong, fear not, behold. But for tonight, to end us, um, I'm going to give one more really good word with a guarantee. We're going to look back at verses 9 and 10 again. It says here, the redeemed shall walk there and the ransomed of the Lord shall return. So Isaiah 35, nine is telling us that the redeemed are going to walk on the way. And verse 10 promises us that the ransomed of the Lord shall return. Now, 
redemption and redeemed and ransomed are all words that we throw on pretty casually in the Christian community. We say words and we don't know what we're actually saying. Um, you might not understand the weight of the words redeemed and ransomed here, which is assigned to those who are return, who are to return. Those words redeemed and ransomed are assigned to the returners. So this word redeemed, ransomed, redemption, these are, this is marketplace language. If you are a parent, especially of teens, I really, really want you to listen closely about how you can teach your children about their worth. Or if you know someone who struggles with self-worth or you yourself struggle with self-worth, this is for you. So let's read and hear about redemption as the original audience would have. We're gonna flip to 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says this, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. When we pay for something in the marketplace, we buy something on Amazon, we buy something at Target when we're allowed to go to Target, then we are saying that we agree that it has this value. If I pay for it at this, this amount, then I agree, I'm agreeing that it has this value. So here in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, we discover that you and I, we were bought at a price. So there is some value that's assigned to you. There are three Greek marketplace words that give shape to this value. And of course, I'm gonna share them with you. So agorazo, that's, that little number underneath there, that's the Strong's number. So if you wanted to go back and check, fact check me, you could search, do a search for Strong's 59 and this information would come up for you. So agorazo means to purchase. It means a transfer of ownership to a buyer. First Corinthians 6.20 uses this word. You were bought agorazo at a price. Exagorazo, that means to ransom, to buy up completely from the marketplace, to remove it from another's power. A whole purchase, purchased it away from someone else and out of their power. Galatians 3.13 uses this one. It says, Christ redeemed us. Christ exagorazo us. He redeemed us. And finally, my favorite, Apolyotrosis. This means to set free. It is deliverance and release over a distance. We see this in Ephesians 1 7. It says, In him we have redemption. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son something of infinite value in exchange for you in the marketplace. You were bought, you were removed from the power of someone else, and you were set free. And that was all while you were still a sinner, while you were still a fool on the way. I want you to think of that balance scale in the marketplace. 
What the buyer is willing to put forth on his side is how the item is assigned its value. God put you on one side and he put Jesus on the other side and he said yes. Your worth, our worth, balances it out. That we were worth it. There are no refunds, returns, or exchanges on us. You are highly valued because of who you belong to and who is willing to pay out for you. I want you to have this balance in mind. This balance in mind. When you read things like 2 Corinthians 4, 17, that says, put on the eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Or when Paul exhorts us from prison in exile in Ephesians 4.1, he says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Do you hear the voice crying out in the wilderness? Prepare the way of the Lord. This is good news. This is a call to action. Prepare the way of the Lord for those who are around you. For those who can't yet see. For those who are so bogged down in anxiety, so quarantined in their spirits. We can strengthen the weak hands. We can worship him. We can make firm the feeble knees. We can pray. We can say to those who have anxious hearts, be strong, fear not. Behold, you are able to go to war just as you are, just as you are. So here's what I want you to know from this session. I want you to know that God's promise that you'll return to him is not conditional. You are going to make it. You're going to make it. Along the way, you are called to abide in the wilderness. And this wilderness is not exile. The wilderness is a place of waiting, of preparation, of safety, and of training. And you have dignity or value, worth, because of who redeemed you and not because of who you are or what you have done. And that's where I'm going to end this session. And we're going to begin digging in a little deeper together. So I'm going to call Amanda in here. She's going to talk about reaching, reaching in. Hi, thank you for listening to Protestant Women of the Chapel, Fort Bragg. We are workers together for Christ. If you've been inspired, please share our podcast with those who could use a good word. Thank you.